we're so used to being fake positive. That's been the mantra for the last, definitely since the Stoics have got hold of it, but also in the last hundred years through the law of attraction or some other ways of looking at the world, you've got to be positive. And that's what we're always told. And we don't realize that is lying. Welcome back to the Kelly Limber Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand strategist, and style expert on a personal mission to inspire at least five people a day to take action, do something different, and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Keep all your messages coming, whether that's through LinkedIn and saying you loved an episode, or whether you're dropping me a message on Instagram at Kelly Lundberg Official. Keep them coming. I love to know, the guests love to know, something that has really made you change the way you think or just change the way you do something. And I think in this episode in particular, you're definitely going to look at changing the way that you think. So today's guest is actually my personal coach, my mindset coach, Dennis Liam Murphy. Now he's a high performance coach, visionary thinker and founding partner of Roundtable Global, an internationally recognized learning and development company that helps create high performance leaders and corporate cultural change. He really offers a unique and unparalleled personal development and healing experience by specializing in helping people recover from a blame addiction they didn't know they had. You just have to listen to this and and hear some of the um, examples that I share personally that we've been working through and that he shares with clients that he's been through. After thousands of hours of working with clients, Dennis has gained an in-depth knowledge of human behavior, healing and energy and and energy medicine to help people reach new levels of health, happiness, success, and optimal performance in timeframes that are often considered impossible. I really want you to love this as much as I enjoyed sharing the journeys and the lessons that we've learned over the past 12 months of working together. So here we go, how to stop blaming others, how to stop blaming yourself, and situations in order to lead a more effortless life. Welcome to the Kelly Limber podcast, Dennis. It's so good to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I am so excited about the conversations <laughs> we're going to have today. And the what can we say? Like the the information and, you know, you've been such a, a profound, you've had such a profound impact on my life. You know, you've been my coach, you're still my coach. And we've worked very differently because I've never had a coach like you in my life. And that's why I wanted to get you on today to share some of the things that we've talked about, but just sort of practices in general, because it really has been life-changing. So before I get into everything, why don't you give people a little bit of a backstory as to the kind of coaching and and mindset stuff that you do and and what got you to this point? Well, yeah, I'm 49 this year. I'm 50 this year. So what the reason I'm saying that is because 20 years ago, I was a manager in an operations room in London. And so I didn't have any of the awareness that I have today. I didn't know any of what I know today. And I was it, and I was fired from that job. And so it's just that classic case that I was oh, probably longer now. I was actually 31 and I had everything sorted. I had the long-term relationship with my girlfriend. I had money in the bank, a house. I had the car. And it's that classic story of not being happy. But you've done everything right. 
and it's like a really confusing time. And, and that's when I became a personal trainer. So at the age of 31, I was in the gym helping people get fit. And that was a life-changing moment because that's when I became an entrepreneur. And I realized one of my main drivers in life is to be free. And I didn't know that. That's why I probably felt like a caged animal in the office, whatever job I got, because I needed that freedom. And once I became a personal trainer, I just loved it. So I became a masseuse. I then went around the world learning about nutrition, physical rehabilitation from anyone that was saying they were doing it differently. And I just got really into learning everything I could about the body. And I did that for about six years. But I kind of forgot about the mind. I didn't know. I just didn't know it was a powerful part of my life. And, and that's when I basically, I don't know. I actually even to today when I've told stories like this before, I don't know the moment that it all changed. But I sold my house. I ended a 10-year relationship with my girlfriend. I sold my car, got rid of my possessions and bought a backpack at the age of 37. And traveled the world, learning everything I could about how the mind works, that bit that I'd forgotten. And that's the journey of me then realizing a lot of that stuff didn't help me. So I questioned everything. And now that's what I do as a high performance coach is help people with the new bit that I learned over the last decade. Which is the mind stuff, because the mind um, loves to play tricks on us. I think like it's It's such a comp. Well, you might say, actually, maybe it doesn't. I know the things that we've talked about. But when, you know, the whole, it's just like, I I really don't know if we're going to be able to unpack even half the stuff that I want to share with, with people on this. But I think one of the biggest things that we've worked on is mindset and how we view things in the space of, you know, things that we want, things that we don't want. And you say that basically all of this boils down to honesty. Yeah. Which seems so simple. Would that be right? Honesty and, and blame, but it's actually just being honest with yourself. That's probably one of my biggest takeaways is actually being so honest with myself and, and what's happened out of that. Yeah. So I suppose I'd pick up, like, as you realize, I'd pick up on the first bit, which is we've been conditioned to think that the mind plays tricks on us. And I think it's one of the greatest myths that we've ever been told that our brain, our mind, or our body is doing something to hold us back. And of course, I believed all of that in the past. You know, I believed that my mind was trying to trick me, that I had these things called self-sabotaging patterns or limiting beliefs. I really believed that's how we work. And once I started to unpack blame, I realized that's just blaming the very thing you take everywhere with you. So how could you ever be happy when you're trying to fix something that isn't broken? And we've just got to engage with our mind in a completely different way to understand you're not being tricked. You're not being held back. You're being helped, but you just don't know how to look at it to see how it's being, you're being helped. And so you're right. It's a big topic, but what helps all of that is self-honesty. And yeah, that is my main message is it's not honesty with others. It's self-honesty, which we're not used to. And then as a byproduct, you get honest with other people, but it's all about getting self-honest with us. So let's kind of break that down, because I think that was the hardest part for me was actually being honest with myself, because I think that you you think 
you think that you want to do things and it's nearly like when you question me and it's the thing about our our process and what you do is you don't actually need to know the whole situation you're just there to question and then help unpack it when you're ready and I love that when we've had the conversations and you'll say to me well let's kind of give an example of um you know you'll say well are you sure about that and I'll be like yeah I I definitely want you to go on that holiday or I definitely want you to go and and visit that person. I, but in fact, you know what? Let's give an example of, do you remember we were going to catch up one afternoon? It was like, um, I don't know, about eight or nine months ago. And we were like, we're going to do a gym session and we'll catch up. We'll have a, um, a coaching session and we'll do that. But it just so happened that you deep down didn't want to do it. And for whatever reason, you had something else on or whatever. And I wanted to do something else. So maybe we can use that as a scenario because that yeah. could maybe, I think people can relate if they wanted to, like if they really don't want, I did want to see you. That's the whole thing. I had, yeah. I did want to see you, but then when you go, so maybe let's unpack that. All right. So that's the equivalent of, I think everyone can relate to this example as well, where they're, you've planned to go out with your friend Friday night. And the week before, yeah. you really want to go out. But in that week, things have happened and you're really tired and you don't want to go out, but you're going to do the right thing and still go out. So if they then cancel, you get that relief because that's your honesty. You know, oh, great. You know, I really do want to see my friend, but I'm really tired. And yeah. I think most people can relate to that. But when it gets complicated is when you've got ready, you're in the taxi. And then they cancel. Now you're <laughs> angry with them for making you do all of that. But if you're going to be honest, you still didn't want to go out. And what then you have to unpack is you might want to go out because it's their birthday, but you don't like their partner. You don't like the bar that they're going to. You're getting really fit and you know you're going to be drinking or eating food that doesn't fit with your healthy regime for that month. And you're going on holiday in the next week. And so it's about finding out what your main driver is, your priority. And your priority might be health as opposed to going out, getting drunk or eating fatty food. And mm. that's where it gets complicated because now you're going to be blaming your friend for cancelling and you don't realise it, it was actually a joint effort. And that's So the, true. Yeah. You had another example as well, which I think people find really hard. The people going the flight. What was the? You, you told me once a story about missing a flight. No. So one of the other things that I do, I have a company called Roundtable Global, and we run leadership programs. So when I'm getting up this point across to the group that I'm working with, I will say mm. something like, "If you were going to the airport." and you forgot your, pa your passport, and the taxi driver goes the long way, and you're running towards to get on your flight, and they close the gate just as you get there, so you miss your flight. So generally, you're going to be angry, frustrated, you're blaming yourself because you had to go back and get your passport, you're blaming the taxi driver and the person behind the counter. You're blaming, you're being the victim, and everything's gone wrong. Life is unfair is the conclusion. But then I will get the group to entertain the possibility that they didn't actually want to get on the flight. Mm. And as a group, I will get them to come up with 10, 20 possible reasons 
that could be playing out from they have a fear of, of flying. They've um, got an elderly relative that they would rather stay at home than go to, a, to the holiday. And it gets more and more you know, involved where you realize, actually, if I'm going to be honest, even though I've lost the money on the flight, there will be a reason somewhere. Because even if I stay with the idea of the passport, no one forgets their passport. Mm, mm, mm. You know, it's like, it's the one thing you need to get on the flight. That's why you left it on the counter. And the way the unconscious works is it will literally block out anything that won't serve your, that will serve your angle. And in this scenario, your angle was, I'd rather stay at home. And then I use an example of a real life client. And that client said to me, that he really wanted to get on the flight. And he tried to convince me in our session, Dennis, I do. I wanted to get on the flight and I was gutted that I didn't get on the, on the plane. And I said, I know for a fact you didn't want to because I look at life really simply now, which is if it didn't happen, I'll investigate my self-honesty. So I keep pushing. And at some point I hear this phrase, which is, Dennis, if I'm going to be honest, and that's when the self-honesty comes out. And in this particular <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> is he actually had a terrible fear of public speaking. And in the car with him in the taxi was his boss, um, his new boss. And he was going to have to give a presentation at the other end of the flight. And he was terrified. But he had to maintain that victimhood because he couldn't be honest with his boss. So it was the fear of public speaking that he didn't, was the reason he didn't want to get on the, the flight. And, you know, he admitted that at the end. And he even said, at one point, I knew the taxi driver was going the long way, but I was wishing and hoping that we didn't make the flight. And he got what he ultimately wanted. And I suppose the challenging bit is, I believe now that that's happening all the time, mm. that we're always getting but we don't do enough of the self-reflection in regards to accessing our self-honesty. And so we don't know the unconscious end games that are playing out because of the blame addiction that I say that we've got. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute because you've got a book coming out. But I want to touch on this phrase that I feel that lots of people would use, and I think you know what I'm going to say, that if they didn't get on the flight, or, you know, whatever happened, or we didn't get to meet up. Um, and I've been guilty. I've said this for years. Everything happens for a reason. And one of the things that we've talked about in our sessions is using coping mechanisms, or or what would you, what do you call that? Coping mechanisms or coping strategies? Yeah, yeah, I can by go putting in yeah. phrases like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, or by uh, saying so, things, well, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, it's a really good point because a lot of people think that that's what I'm that's what I'm offering. But actually, if you think about that phrase, you only use it when you think something wrong has happened. So you get to the flight or you get to the airport and it doesn't and you don't get on the flight to make yourself feel better. You'll say something like, oh, it doesn't matter. Everything happens for a reason. You're still angry underneath, but you use a phrase to make yourself feel better. But you never use that phrase when something you like happens. It's only when you think something has gone wrong. 
And so that for me is when it becomes a coping mechanism. So in that situation instead, I would get, encourage you to really investigate and self-reflect on any honesty that you have about that, what you were going towards, whether that's going out for the evening or whether that's going on a flight, or if you're pitching for a client, mm. a lot of people pitch for clients and they want their money, but they actually don't want to work with that type of client. And they don't realize that that's what's playing out. So they just need to be really honest. Because I've heard clients say to me, oh, I really wanted this contract, or I thought this was going to happen and it didn't happen. And then they'll say, well, everything happens for a reason. But the reality is, whilst they may have wanted or needed the money, if they're really honest, go, did you actually want to work with that client? Or did you think that client was going to be a headache? Or you know, did you think you couldn't deliver on what it was they were asking? So what other coping mechanisms or strategies do people use similar to everything happens for a reason that you've seen? This is where it gets really uncomfortable in a lot of my sessions, which is why I say they're not for the faint of heart, because I, I do claim yeah. that even though I'm helping you become a better leader, if that's what, or a better entrepreneur and more successful I'm also taking you on a really profound healing journey. And for that to occur, you have to really dig deep in terms of that uncomfortable feeling that comes with getting more self-honest when you've spent a lifetime potentially lying to yourself in that sense of denial. So one mm. of the biggest coping mechanisms that we use is lying. And mm. it, it's, that's why I'm, I say that you're an expert liar whoever I'm talking to, because we're so good at lying to ourselves that we don't realize we're doing it. And that goes back to, you could be in a relationship and you're telling yourself you want to be in that relationship. But the truth might be you're afraid of being alone. The truth might be you're afraid of what people will think of you because it's your second divorce or you're afraid of, um, or you've got insecurities that you won't find someone else. Hmm. And so all of that can play out and you're still lying to yourself that you want to be in the relationship when everything around you is telling you no. So that's the, that's the biggest coping mechanism that people don't like to hear because we pride ourselves on being honest and telling the truth. But you only but have to ask someone. <laughs> and that's it. You, you only have to ask someone how they're doing. And what's the, what's the reply that a lot of people use? It's like, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm doing great. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And a when lot of the time, it's just not true. So would you then encourage people, if someone said to you, you know, how are you doing? And you're having a bit of a crap day. Would you actually say to someone, do you know what? No, I'm not feeling that great. But what, would, what would be your advice? Yeah, what's great about that is because we're so used to being fake positive. That's been Ooh. the mantra for the last, definitely since the Stoics have got hold of it, but also in the last hundred years through the law of attraction or some other ways of looking at the world, you've got to be positive. And that's what we're always told. And we don't realize that is lying because mm. you don't feel great today, but you've got to tell everyone you do. And people justify that by being a leader and saying, well, I can't go into the office and tell everyone I'm having a crap day. I've got to be positive. 
And I get why you would think that, but that's only because we're so used to being fake positive and lying to ourselves. But the reality <laughs> is, if you ask me how I'm doing and I'm honestly having a great day, great. Say you're having a great day. But if I'm having a busy day or something's a bit stressful, then you can say that in a way that isn't all victimy. Mm-mm-mm. You can say literally, oh, actually, today I'm really busy. I've had, you know, I haven't had much sleep and I'm really tired. Well, there's no victimhood in that. There's no, oh, I'm having a really tough day and everything's against me and I don't know what to do with this issue that's going on. You don't need to unload it all, but you ask mm-hmm. me how I'm doing. And I can tell you in a really honest way without it having any of that victim energy in it. Mm. So the elements of people being victim and the blame game, which is the title of your book that's coming out in uh, January 2023, people then understand the concept of blaming others. But then the other thing that people do is they then blame themselves. So people go, so because this is what I've seen quite a lot is, you know, certainly in personal development books that are about, well, you've got to take 100% responsibility. And I, I do agree that there is that um, level of responsibility that you've got to take. But then the part from that is, it doesn't mean that you can accept the responsibility, but you don't blame yourself. Yeah. And that's what, one of the main things I feel like I'm bringing different to the market. Yeah. Because a lot of people that already talk about blame, they will say it in a way that the solution's simple just stop blaming. Mm. And that they don't realize is blaming blame. That's like blaming alcohol for being the problem. That's like blaming sugar for being the the problem. But it's not. It's our relationship with the alcohol, with sugar. That's the issue. So that's why I entitled the book, The Blame Game, The World's Oldest Addiction, because I'm relating blame as an addiction that we've inherited for thousands of years. And we don't know. So we've just passed on this blame from one generation to the next. And so blaming so natural, like it is for an alcoholic to drink and keep drinking and keep drinking, even when everything around them is falling apart, it's really easy to keep drinking. Well, for us, Mm. it's the same with blame. We just can't stop it. So when we go to a leadership program or we hear a motivational speaker talk about taking responsibility, it feels empowering. Because now I'm not going to blame you. I'm going to take all responsibility and blame myself. It's my fault my team didn't perform. And again, it feels empowering. But all you've done is doubled up your blame. Because you're still blaming your team. You can't switch it off like that. So all you've done is coped, controlled yourself. So you're still unconsciously blaming your team. And now you're blaming yourself for being a terrible leader. Or a terrible mother, a terrible father, a terrible whatever label you use. And so that's the key that I have to work with my clients early on is to help them realize blaming the other person or blaming yourself is still blame. And that's when I talk about we can't imagine a world without blame yet because we haven't entertained the third option, which is if I can't blame you and I can't blame me, the third option is self-honesty. And of course, that needs more unpacking. But then we can go back to the airport example, where I'm blaming myself for forgetting the passport. I'm blaming the taxi driver for taking the wrong route. But actually, my honesty is, 
I didn't want to get on the plane. And so all the blame and all the anger and all the frustration can now disappear in one go. Mm. But it takes a lot of practice to get to that point. Oh, and, and I still feel it's something like, you know, because on, on our calls, I say, you know, but you just, it just makes complete sense. And how do you, how do you see this so quickly? And you're like, well, it's the years of experience. So even through the sessions, it's getting clearer. It's getting easier to identify when I'm blaming um, a situation or someone or, or myself, but also the self-honesty piece is actually getting really clear with that. And it's, that is so freeing that I have to yeah. say is just, it's like a weight's lifted off my shoulders and, and kind of taking on the next step from that, the sort of the blame thing, one of the things, and I think the type of clients that you work with, or a, a large part of them are people that have got to a point so far in their business or in life and are stuck. And maybe not necessarily even stuck with direction, because that certainly wasn't the reason why I came. You know, I, I knew where I was mm. born in a business sense, but it was something was just stuck. And the more didn't matter how many meditations that I did, that I get up and I did my gym routine and I did this and I did this and I did this because all the books were telling me, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, it will help. And that was kind of the massive turning point where I was like, I need help because I'm like, yeah. I'm doing all the things that they say I should, yet I still feel like this. And I think if there's people listening, they might feel like that as well. So what would be your thoughts on, I guess that you call the control piece, is it not? Yeah, it really is. I don't know if you remember, but early on, one of the things I got you to do was to draw a picture. And I got you to draw a circle. And I said, at the top, put blame. At 3 a.m., put victim. At the bottom, put fear, shame, guilt. And at 9 o'clock, put control. And I call this the victim cycle. Because every time you blame, you're a victim. And people don't like to hear that, obviously. So when I'm talking to CEOs, CFOs, entrepreneurs, or millionaires, or billionaires, and I say to them, you're being a victim, they will tell me they're doing everything to not be a victim. So I'm wrong. (laughs) And I get it. You don't like to be called that, but you're just complaining to me about something, which is blame, which makes you a victim. And so when you see that cycle, once you've blamed and you're a victim, you become fearful. And that's where the shame and the guilt starts to grow. And then we resort to our only solution, which has been control. And that's Mm. the only solution we've been offered for thousands of years in all of its different ways. That's it. And so a lot of people come to me in a state of crisis because what they've been doing hasn't worked anymore. And what they've been doing is using all these different ways of control and control takes a lot of energy to maintain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's where the exhaustion comes from. People are exhausted physically and emotionally and mentally, and they think it's because they haven't slept properly, but it isn't. It's a different type of exhaustion. It's that being a victim all day it's exhausting. Blaming your mum, your dad, your boss, your brother, your sister, all that energy it takes to control that, to keep it away from you. It's really energy intensive. And that's where all the physical illness comes from. That's where the mental illness comes from, because there's literally no energy left. And there's no amount of caffeine, opioids, alcohol that can, at the end, that's what it's called burnout. Mm -hmm. and so we need to do something different 
than control is what you were basically yeah because that that to me was just uh, it was mind-boggling and eye-opening and then you know we even had this session recently where it was like you know I'm very committed to the gym and I love it but then it got to the point where it's like but then why do you love it and then if you keep going and it's just trying to find it's okay then if you want to have a day off and I think that's one thing maybe as an entrepreneur is that we feel super guilty like I've said to you that I feel like I can't watch TV because I feel guilty for watching TV because I should be doing something more productive or I you know I should be going to the gym because I said I'm going to go four times a week or five times a week and you have a different approach to that yeah I one of the things that I've done over the years I've I've traveled extensively around the world and I've spent a lot of time on my own and I've spent a lot of time on self-reflection I've spent a lot of time in nature and the more time you spend in nature you start to see the perfection of nature I don't think there's anyone listening that would go into a rainforest and point to a tree and say, that's doing something wrong. Because you you know the ecosystem's working together. You might not understand what that tree, that flower, that insect's doing, but you do intellectually understand it's doing something. And that whole Mm -hmm. ecosystem is talking, communicating for the growth of the whole. And it's almost like we've forgotten that. We've forgotten that, one, the body is an ecosystem, but also your family is an ecosystem. Your business is an ecosystem. Your office, your company is an ecosystem. It's all working together so it can flourish. But what gets in the way of all of that is blame. And that's where nature will flourish very quickly because there's no blame in the ecosystem. In, in the rainforest, no one's going, no insect is going to the tree, you're doing something wrong. It's all working together. So there's only conflict when blame is in the air. And that's the, that's the issue that's, that's why I keep coming back to that point, is where we think we understand blame, but we don't realize that it is in pretty much every single conversation that we have. So that means in every single conversation you have, you're pretty much a victim in every conversation. It's exhausting. And that's, yeah, so that's what then that is leading to all of the, the tension and the conflict in the world because I'm offering that the whole world is unknowingly addicted to blame. And it always leads to conflict and separation. So basically what you're saying from that earlier part is the ability to allow ourselves the things that, I guess, back to the self-honesty. It's like, we should be doing this, but do we really want to do this? Yeah. Do I really want to get up? I'm actually really, really tired. I'm really, really tired. And being honest with yourself that you're tired, what will help and serve me right now in that space? And that's it. And that's, and that's, that's the point because now I'm exhausted And I'm trying to follow a routine that someone's given me or that I've worked on with someone. But I'm different every day. Like nature's different every day. There's an ebb and flow. I'm not the same person I was yesterday, but I'm trying to now rigidly do what I did yesterday because someone said I should do that. But my body, my life is different. And it's telling me I want an extra hour in bed or to have some escapism on TV. But 
that entrepreneurial book, that motivational guru said no. So I'm actually saying it's really unnatural to have rigid routines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Which that's where we're going to. But so hard. That was so, so, so hard. Because, yeah. well, that goes down to conditioning. Yeah. And and nearly sort of against what, yeah, yeah and what everyone else is saying. That, and, that, you know, you, you need to be doing this in order to be successful and you have to make your bed and you have to get up at 5 a.m. and be part of the 5 a.m. club. I genuinely like getting up at 5 a.m. and I'm a morning person. I, I do honestly yeah. love that. Equally love going to my bed really early. But you know what? I own that space now. I feel like I'm really comfortable with that. And it, last night was a much later night, for example. But I was equally okay with it. But I adjusted my routine this morning to compensate for that. Whereas pre our sessions, I say pre Dennis, um, I would have still gone, no, but I've committed to that. I'm still going to get up at that time and I'm still going to do that. Whereas I gave myself an extra hour and just kind of planned around it accordingly, which meant today was better. And I enjoyed it much yeah. more. And, and, and the thing is, we celebrate that mentality. We celebrate that level of self-discipline. You know, that's, that's why we love Rocky, because it's that, that stoic self-discipline to just get up when you don't want to and force yourself to do what you don't want to do. And again, it works for a while. And there are pockets of people that have gone down that route. And it looks like they're successful, but are they happy? It's that classic scenario, isn't it? On the surface, mm. you can look happy, uh, but you're not. Even if you've achieved so much, you've got the wealth, you've got the car, you've got everything, but you're not happy. I had that when yeah. I was 30. And so, and again, so I'm in Ireland at the moment and, I, and I'm getting up at 5 a.m. At 4.35 a.m., I'm up. I never get up at that time. But for whatever reason, whatever's going on in my life, I really enjoy getting up at that time. Normally, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's an ebb and there's a flow. And you, the more you're in that, people don't like that because they will feel like they will go out of control. If I don't have my routine, my life will crumble. And that's why yeah. people love routines, because... It gives them a sense of control. And again, that's great. But what happens when you go on holiday? It's like suddenly your sterile environment isn't there. Your food's changed. You haven't got your machines that you're used to. You haven't got the cold water that you're used to plunging in. So now you're stressed that you haven't got all your life hacks and routine is going to be disrupted. That creates an enormous amount of stress. And it will be another possible reason why you didn't get on the plane because you don't want your routine to be messed up. <laughs> sounds crazy. Oh, that sounds very familiar in one of the sessions that we've had, <laughs> routine. I feel like we were, we were going over one of our sessions. But what are some of the other kind of aha moments or I say success stories, but, you know, moments where pe people have healed from the addiction of blame, but what impact has that actually had in their lives? All right. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll say something outrageous and then we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. One of the things that people come to me for is to recover from acute and physical illnesses. And sometimes they're incurable mm -hmm. diseases. 
And sometimes it's just like a frozen shoulder or back pain or something like that. Now, in the past, when I've studied chiropractic techniques and I know about how the body works, and I'm a sports masseuse, so I know what to do on a physical level. And that's what I used to do. But now I understand that, well, what created the tension in the first place is whatever I was thinking about. So the thing I'm stressed about is what creates the physical tension, which because I've been controlling that for years and years and years and years, my body gets more and more and more ill until it becomes too extreme. So I had a client that had a frozen shoulder. He couldn't move his arm without excruciating pain for six months. <laughs> it's probably... So anyway, I said to him, do you think your shoulder is doing something wrong? Is it bad what your shoulder's doing? And he said, of course it is. It's really painful. And I can't drive. I can't wakeboard. I can't um, do some of the other activities, play tennis. And, you know, I'm staying in bed longer, so I, I can't do my entrepreneurial duties. And I said, great. So you're saying all of that's bad. And he said, yeah, of course. And I said, okay, well, let's park that for a minute. And let's just play the game that maybe your shoulder's helping you in some way. Literally, I would say within five minutes of him getting really honest about the fact that he honestly, because he can't play tennis, he can't wakeboard, he can't drive, he can't do all those things. He's had to spend more time with his teenage son, which he hadn't been spending time with for probably a year. So his honesty, his self-honesty for that year was, I want to spend more time with my son because I know he needs it and I need it but I've been doing all these other activities instead. So the intelligence of the body goes, okay, well, let me help you out. Let me take out the joint that you need to do all those things so you can do what you honestly want to do. Within five minutes, his whole arm changed. There was no more pain at all in his whole body. And he would be happy to tell you that story because the doctors were saying, he was going to need another six to 12 months of physiotherapy for it to heal. And they've got all the x-rays, all the MRIs to show it's a proper frozen shoulder. So what I've realized over the years is that the mind is obviously, as a lot of people realize, is that powerful. But what I suppose I'm bringing to the table is you don't realize that the root of all of that is your blame addiction. And the only reason I am upset with you is because I'm blaming you or blaming myself. And it's, it creates a lot of physical tension. And yeah, so it's crazy stories like that. I've got so many and they can be unbelievable that the body is designed to heal that quickly physically. And then I've had people with phobias literally within minutes have no more phobias because I've helped them realize the association. Um, with the phobia and of course business is growing and everything else purely be and people will say say to me can you help me with a specific thing in my life and I will take them back because they're blaming their mom and their dad for not giving them the ideal upbringing and then I would just unpack that for them with the lens of blame and then everything that they're going through today sorts itself out because it was all blame-based anyway the reason why they're having stress today. That's really just reprogramming or reprogramming, but rethinking the, 
everything that we've been told and taught over the years. And like, I just think of all the books and the personal development and the all of that and how much more freeing I have felt in the past sort of what six to 12 months, 12 months that we've mm. really been working together. Yeah. Um, and the opportunities come from that, like having, you know, had some of my best performing months in the last 12 months, you know, and as much as some of the things I'll be like, I want to talk about this in business. And then we end up having a session and it's like nothing to do with business because it's something that's yeah. personal, that's blocking, that needs to be healed from. Um, have you got more examples in your book? Like what can people expect to find in your book that's coming out? All right. So the book's been 10 years in the making and I've probably written it five, six times over that time. And I found a coach, uh, you could say a coach, an editor, and it really felt like that was the the version that I was going to offer the world. He really helped me, him and his team really helped me put the book together, how I couldn't do it with my my writing skills. And he really helped me with that. Now, I'm going to say that the process, once I got sure about what I honestly wanted and I felt the difference in this version than the others, and once I realized I didn't want to self-publish, I wanted to publish, everything after that became very effortless. Mm. And this is obviously one of the main philosophies and principles that I have and that I offer, that life is actually designed to be effortless. And what I mean by that is, The reason why we have so much pain, hardship, and struggle in the world that we're used to and that we've accepted that is part of being human isn't being part of human. Being angry isn't part, isn't emotion of being human, or hatred isn't a human trait. It's a blame-based trait. Without blame, there is no anger, no hatred, no frustration, no disappointment. Because everyone, at some point, when they've gone on their blame recovery process, they start to see the world very differently. And then they get to find out who they honestly are. So what's in the book is that whole process on how to recover from your blame addiction. And as the more you do, and that's what you're experiencing, the more you do, the more effortless life becomes and things just seem to fit into place with very little effort. And that's what the book is unpacking, all the different places where blame's hidden without you even knowing it. So you can go into a very a healing space that I take you through. That's once you get good at that, life again becomes that much more effortless and magical as a result. I love and that. Effortless. Yeah. It's what my fa- one of my favorite words ever. There's so many other things that I, you know, want to talk. And I actually feel at some point we should do a part two. Yeah. But I feel that this has just given people a little bit of a taster. And in your words, because I often feel when I try and explain this, I never yeah. manage to explain it so effortlessly and maybe so eloquently is how you've done it because you've got the years of experience and I'm only speaking for myself and the the journeys and the healing that we've been on for myself but you managed to put it into so many different situations so really really um happy and grateful that you gave up your time today and shared a little peek behind the book but also what can help people you know, what can help people in life kind of going forward like for me it's been game changing for your clients it has been um, how can people find you, by the way? All right. So thank you for that, by the way. 
And my main website for me personally and my coaching is Dennis with one N, DennisLeeandMurphy.com. Then mm-hmm. roundtable.global is the corporate website where we run the leadership programs. And there's also beyondbamboo.life, which is another company I'm a co-founder of that supplies um, planet conscious products, services, and procurement to organizations as well. And obviously LinkedIn. And as you're desperately trying to get me onto the socials as well, slowly but surely. Yeah, this is one of the things that we are working on as well. Your personal (laughs) brand, it's coming there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. I've put the links in uh, below that people can click on and reach out to you if they have questions. And um, yeah, just thanks again. Thank you for everything that you've done to help me in my life and business today. It means so, so, so much. And I want that to be able to help other people as well. So thank you, Dennis. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.